1: Welcome to the Make Meaning podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and change maker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. You just heard a great original composition by my son, Asher Schreiber. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Well, I'd like to welcome Ani Keen Riley to the Make Meaning podcast. Ani is director of the Nobody Ages Out Youth Movement at You Gotta Believe in New York. Welcome to Make Meaning, Ani. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so inspired by the work you do and um, I read about you in the New York Times and just knew that we had to have a conversation. So I wanted to know a little bit about what does it mean to be director of the Nobody Ages Out youth movement? Tell me about that movement and what your role is within it. Sure.
0: So um, my colleague, Yadi Betancourt, Yadi Dania Betancourt, was in the New York Times talking right. about the right. work that You Gotta Believe does. hmm So You Gotta Believe is an older teen adoption agency. So we find youth that's in care between the ages of 10 to 21 years old for our families. And the average age of youth that we work with is about 18, 19 years old. Wow. So in addition to doing that, we also educate youth in care, Mm -hmm. prospective and current foster and adoptive parents, Mm -hmm. in addition to everybody in the child welfare about the importance of older youth having family.
1: So you work um, with kids in New York, right? Yes. And um, I know because I've done a lot of um, public relations work for uh, Michigan's largest private provider of foster care, Samaritas, that um, the older the child, the harder it is to find a placement for them. Is that what you're finding as well?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So, and of course, you know, I just have a, a real heart for children. I feel like, I would take them all in if I could fit them in my house um, because, yes. you know, nobody asks to be born, but once they are, I believe that they deserve everything. Um, they need every chance just to be loved and to have opportunities. And so when you don't have that in those foundational years, um, it can just be heartbreaking and it can really... Um, cause a lot of roadblocks basically. So Absolutely. Um, tell me what you guys do to try to find that forever family for older kids.
0: The first thing we we, we go, we talk to the youth first. The first thing we do is we talk to the youth. Um, a lot of youth that we work with because they are older, um, because they are older, they don't believe that it's possible for them to have family, mm-hmm. and the system is built on like protecting them, you know, providing for them, uh-huh. you know, making sure that you know they go to court, making sure their doctor's appointments, so out, making sure they go to school. Sure. But in the midst of doing all of these things, I think people lose focus on the the primary goal is to make sure that if the child does not return to his or her home or family, we need to then find them a family. Right. So it's in addition to not a replacement of. Sure. So one of the things that we do is let the youth know that it's possible for them, regardless of their age, to find a forever family. Mm -hmm. And once they start to, so once we start having that conversation, I ask them what does the word family, when I say family, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Right. Because usually when I'm, when I'm talking to youth about family, sometimes it's negative, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when I bring up the word family, sometimes it represents negativity. Mm-hmm. You know, people that left me, people that abandoned me, people that abused me, right? Sure. And sometimes family means people that trust me or people that didn't know how to take care of me. Sure. So when you got to believe, go and talk to youth about the importance of families, we want to make sure we're on the same, we have the same understanding. Sure. And if family is something negative to a youth, then I ask, Do you have any positive relationships in your life and what makes them positive and why do you value those relationships so much? Mm -hmm. And so I take whatever it is that they say and I I, I let them know that that's what I'm looking for, more people like that in your life.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting because I don't know that most people consider how they could... Help a teen or a youth in need. Um, it just, I don't think it's on somebody's radar unless it's on their radar, if you know what I mean. You know, Uh like, um, if you have your own, you have kids of your own and you have your job and whatever you're doing, everybody gets sort of really focused in their own lives. And unless you're exposed to the idea that there are children out there who really need love and support and mentorship, it wouldn't even occur to you, you know what I mean? And so I'm sort of wondering what you think it would take to put that on more people's radar. I know there's always a shortage of foster parents. And then for Mm -hmm. older teens, people might assume, oh, they're 18, 19, they're adults. They don't need support, but it couldn't be further from the truth. So how do we we get people to be aware of that and even consider that they could have a role there?
0: So that's a really great question. so I honestly believe that if there's a venue, anywhere there's a venue to do recruitment, anywhere that will give us about ten to fifteen minutes to talk about the importance of forever family, we are there. Sure. Um. So talking to churches, going in the community, if there's a festival, having a table out there that you know that says you know that says you know you got to believe you know we're finding forever family, so for teenagers come and learn about it. Sure. Is really important. So in festivals in your community, the community um, support groups, um, you know, the, there's so many clubs in the community. Mm-hmm. Just going and calling and saying, "Hey, you know, can we can can we have 15 minutes of your time so we can just tell you what it is that we do? Can we leave our cards and can we leave our flyers after we, you know, after we make the presentation is really key. Yeah. Also was you know, and, and taking advantage of like social media, being on this radio. I hope, you know, somebody listens and say, Wow, like I didn't <laughs> know that, you know, older youth and care, you know, want or need families. Maybe they will call in and, and to get some information. I hope so, so. you gotta believe always we always encourage people to call and get information. And then we hold classes, which is the parent preparation classes, they yep. can come in and learn about it. Okay. They're not obligated to finish or to get certified at all.
1: Sure, sure. So what about, um, first of all, this is a great opportunity just to sort of offer the phone number during the interview or a website. Do you want to just give that information so any listener could jot it down or, or take action?
0: Absolutely. So if you want to learn more about You Gotta Believe, you can go to our website, which is yougottabelieve.org, or you can give us a call at the office at 718-372-3003. The number again is 718-372-3003. Awesome. And the, the, the most, I think the most unique thing about You Gotta Believe is that majority of the staff are experienced foster adoptive parents of older youth in care mm-hmm. or foster care alone.
1: Yeah, so that's a great transition, because I was going to ask you about that. Um, The information that we gathered before this interview, um, you shared that you yourself were in foster care. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that experience and how that motivated you to get to this position?
0: Sure. So I entered into foster care for the second time when I was 17 years old, you know, due to abuse and neglect. And when I was in foster care, I had to do. I was slated to do independent living because I was seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. So, independent living when you when you are when that's your group, they have life preparation courses, right? Independent living classes, mm-hmm. which is held forty five minutes once a week, and it mm-hmm. has anything from um, how to cook to you know how to write a resume and mm-hmm. how to do your bank account.
1: So, wait, let me understand um, this: so forty five minutes once mm-hmm. a week is that right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I think I need more than that right, even now. Right? To, learn, <laughs> right, to wow. learn independent living skills. And
0: even when, even at 17, when I was going to the, to the workshops and I just said, you know, I'm not there yet. Right. Like I, you know, I don't even know what I want to do with my life yet. And you're telling me how to budget. So they were telling me how to budget, but I didn't have a job yet. Oof. So I'm like, um, you know, you're telling me how to budget. Can you tell me how to get a job? So the social worker, you know, <laughs> says, since you know so much, why don't you run the group? Uh And I said, I just might. So then we walked up to the director. You know, I had a conversation Uh about, like, how I really felt about it because I'm, like, so passionate. Uh And I said, you know, it's not only me, it's my peers. Right. You know, I'm seeing them downstairs. They don't want to come in because we're not helping them. Like, what what can we do right now to help them where they're at right now? Sure. Is it going to school? Is it getting an education? So that's when I started, at 17, creating workshops for my peers about, you know, life skills. Wow! And the life skills for me was about how to get emotionally ready for an interview. Uh-huh. What kind of jobs can you get? Wow! You know, all the things that I believe that if uh, if I was in a family, I would know. Uh-huh. Those are the things that I was advocating for us to teach in those independent living classes.
1: You're amazing. That's so I like, started that
0: at 17.
1: That's amazing. You were an entrepreneur at 17, just taking the bull yes. by the horns. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> yes. And a uh-huh. trailblazer. Yes. So I went to college. Uh-huh. I went to college and they gave me an internship. Okay. Um and I didn't I wasn't satisfied with the internship. Mm-hmm. So I asked the professor, "How do I get my own internship? How do I, you know?" So they told me the process and I did everything. So I started to intern for um ACS. Okay. And then after I started to intern for ACS, then um I met Pat O'Brien at the ACS Speaker's Bureau. So wait, tell us what ACS is. So ACS is Administration for Children's Services Got in it. New York, okay. New York City, Okay, and they held a speaker's girl where they had, you know, child welfare professionals, youth uh, foster care alum, mm-hmm. and um, foster and adopted parents talking to everybody about the importance of being unconditionally committed to youth and care. Okay. So after I met him there, he told me about his program, about You Gotta Believe. Uh-huh. I fell in love with it. Um I fell in love with it. Um, he also reached out to my mom, uh-huh. Mary Keene. And, um, you know, she was on the board and everything. And he, you know, Pat said, you know, we need a youth voice. Uh-huh. You know, would you like to be on a board? And I said, absolutely. Uh-huh. So the next semester when I had to do an internship, I advocated to be an intern at You Gotta
1: Believe. And that's when my journey with You Gotta Believe started. That's amazing. It's like you were destined to be there. That's really cool. So you Pretty said that cool, you really yeah. admire your mom. Tell us a little bit about that, about how, what you admire about her and how she's been sort of a role model for you. She,
0: <laughs> so I was a tough, I was a tough, tough, um, young lady. <laughs> I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I was going to go and do it, uh-huh. but I was like very serious. Uh huh. I was, uh, very intent. Uh huh. I was uh not trustful of people. So I was like walking around like I'm gonna get it done, like like just mad, upset and angry and not trustful.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So when I met my when I met Mary, she was my foster mother. Okay. And it was hard for me to connect to her because she was only gonna be there for a little while until I get my own apartment. Sure. So I didn't want to connect to her. So it took eight months for me to even have our first conversation it took eight months.
1: Oh my god! I was living
0: in her home, right? Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. I was going in the house. I was saying hi and I was saying bye and that was it for wow. eight months. Wow. And every single day she asked me how I was doing every single day. How are you doing? And I would say, fine, I'll go to my room every mm. single day.
1: Mm.
0: And it was just her being consistent because usually in my life, my experience has been two weeks, no more than a month, and I was at the next person's house. Right. No more than a month. And I went, you know, mm-hmm. because people would complain, she's not connecting. Yeah. She's not opening up. Yes. She's not communicating with me. She doesn't want to be here. So I would then have to move. Wow. So I was tired of getting hurt. By 17, I was tired of getting hurt. Some said, you know, I you're only going to be here for two weeks or a month. Right. And then I'm going to be moving on. Sure. But every single time she asked me how I was doing, I would say, fine. Eight months later, I said, wow, you're still here. (laughs) (laughs) She's still here. And she made it very clear to me that she was committed to me. Uh She was unconditionally committed to me from the first day she met me.
1: That's amazing. And that
0: was brand new.
1: Because
0: people talk about family. Yeah. People talk about it. You know, you don't. You don't know how many times I hear, this is your home. You can make up your room. You don't have to go anywhere yep. in 17 years. Wow. So she showed me what unconditional, what being unconditional really means. Yeah. And she still showed me to this day. And because I have that unconditional commitment, I was able to establish friendship wow. at 17 for the first time.
1: Oh, what a gift. What a gift. It's really, you know, something that we take for granted unless we don't know that it's there. And that's just such right. a beautiful, beautiful result. So um, kudos to Mary and to you for sticking it out and transforming each other because I'm sure you did the same for her, you know. So tell me, on this podcast, we're talking about how we make meaning in our work and in our lives. And it's so evident how you make meaning in so many different ways. Do you have advice for people if they're searching for their purpose or they're they're looking for that idea of meaning in their work or, or what they're doing at home? Any ideas for people?
0: Yes, I have a lot of ideas. So I'm going to sit and you let me know if I'm talking too much.
1: Not at so. all. I <laughs> love it.
0: So... The first thing is um, really check in with yourself, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Um, for me, I was always doing what other people wanted me to do, uh-huh. um, and I, I lost track of you know who who I was. Uh-huh. So I needed to stop and say, you know, what is what? What makes me happy? Sure. What is going to fulfill my life? You mm-hmm. know, what is going to drive me? What is going to motivate me? What is that? Mm-hmm. And regardless of whatever that answer is, mm-hmm. I needed to strive for that. Absolutely. Right. Yep. So like checking in with yourself, being honest with yourself uh-huh. and making plans accordingly to achieve your goals. Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. It's the first thing. OK. What else?
0: The next thing is um, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother gave me a book and it's, it's called um, Fear It and Do It Anyway.
1: OK. I love it. That's a great <laughs> mantra. I'm going to take it. I, I love that
0: right? Fear it it and and do do it it anyway.
1: anyway. Awesome.
0: Fear it and do it anyway. (laughs) And and she used to tell me that because, um, you know, growing up, you know, moving around to like different places, you know, Mm
1: -hmm. being
0: in foster care, being in and out of foster care and things like that. I didn't have a stable education. I didn't go through school like everybody like a lot of people go to school like people usually go to one or two elementary schools maybe one junior high school or maybe one or two high schools sure but I went to three elementary schools I went to three junior high schools and I went to six high schools oh. before I graduated
1: oh my goodness so I was
0: I was reading way below grade level sure. so you know for me to get a 75 I needed to study three or four hours every night to prepare to get ready
1: wow and people
0: didn't know that And even when I was in school, in college, I was struggling and struggling and struggling because I was like, I'm going to be a success. I'm not going to be a statistic. Because when I was in foster care, 3% of the foster youth Mm -hmm. that went to college, less than 1% graduated. Wow. And I said, I'm going to be that 1% by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. And I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. And I was afraid about what people would think about me if they knew that I wasn't reading and writing on my level. So, my mother helped me get into a reading and writing course. And when I started, I was reading. I was writing on a second grade level and mm-hmm. reading on a fourth grade level. Wow. And by the time I finished, I was writing on a ninth grade level and reading on a twelfth grade level.
1: amazing. And then my
0: college grades improved.
1: you know it so sounds like I you're saying it and did it. It sounds like mm-hmm. you're saying that people really don't know your story and so when you meet somebody you don't assume or don't don't expect the worst but really take the time to get to know what's behind the face really get to know that person and understand their journey yeah right. you right. know I, we're running out of time and I'm, I could talk to you all day but I just wonder if there's any last thoughts you might have about you know for our listeners about how people can um, find meaning in, in their daily lives how they can help others um, maybe even welcome in a teen who needs that love. (laughs) The last
0: thing, right. The last thing is that um, once you find, once you find satisfaction within yourself, that just helps you be a better person. Yep. And when you are a better person, you share that betterness with other people and make their lives better.
1: That's awesome.
0: So the first thing is self-check, checking in with yourself, being Mm -hmm. honest and true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Then the second thing is fear it and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And then three, give back. Mm -hmm. Give back all the wealth of information and the best you that you can to this
1: world. Absolutely. It's amazing to chat with you, Ani Keen Riley. I'm so grateful that you took the time to chat with me on the Make Meaning podcast. Um, so I just want to remind our listeners that we've been talking with Ani Keen Riley, who's director of the Nobody Ages Out youth movement, and that you supervise case managers at You Gotta Believe in New York, and they can learn more about helping older children or adopting them, welcoming them into their family at dot org. So thanks for being here, Ani. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Have a great day.
0: You too. Bye.